my wife and I went to uh, Korea for a year or two. I was a principal of an uh, international school, and she was uh, one of the teachers. And we had a good friend, and still do. Her name is Mina Lee, a Korean. And in Korea, to, be a, to have a teaching credential is very impressive to them because you've, you've studied hard. But to have that and a PhD, that is two feathers in your cap that you can wear. And they really think highly of it. So we went to Mina Lee's congregation, which was about this size. And she got up and she introduced me as Dr. Wayne Snow. <laughs> and the whole congregation stood up when they found out that I was a teacher and a doctor. And I, I was going, wait a minute, she made a mistake. And so as I was meeting people and shaking their hands, I would tell them, they'd say, hi. I'd say, hi, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> they couldn't understand English. So <laughs> they just shook their head. They heard, they heard the doctor, but they didn't hear that I'm not a doctor. So. So, I've been through this embarrassment before, Pastor. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Uh, I have a joke for you, and most of the women in here that went to the women's retreat or uh, the last women's group heard it, but this will be for the men and the women who didn't hear it. There were two tractors and they were dating one another. And they felt as though the uh, relationship was getting too deep. And so they wrote John Deere letters to each other. <laughs> you, you sound like my old sixth grade class when I would tell them a joke. They go, oh no, Mr. Snow. <laughs> that was worse than yesterday's joke. <laughs> well, if you look at your outline, you'll see that today we're going to be talking about prepare the way of the Lord. I'll give you an example of preparation. I used to work for El Paso Natural Gas Company uh, during the summer for a summer job while I was going to college and I was a heavy equipment operator. And they put me with two other heavy equipment operators which were much older than I, I was 19. And so you could put me on any truck, any piece of equipment and I was perfectly happy. The more gears it had, the more I wanted to drive it. So anyway, I go to work on Monday and this was in Arizona, and they said, we're going to Blue Water, New Mexico, and we have five days to build an airport on the desert. And I said, well, I thought, I didn't say, why did they give us so much time? <laughs> so we, we went there, and it was a preparation of changing this desert area next to this El Paso natural gas station into an airport that a twin-engine beachcraft could, could land on. And about three days into it, 
I was driving the truck that held all the water. And I was bouncing up and down on rocks and going down in holes. And I said to myself, I don't think this is ever going to come off. But what happened was we were sent there to prepare this airport because this airplane was coming in on Friday and land there. So it came Friday and we finished what we thought was a good job and the airplane came in and made a pass across it and I could just tell that he was looking out the window, the pilot going, I don't know if I want to land on that thing or not. But he did. He came around and he landed on it. It took preparation. And it took knowing something to do in order to prepare the way. And so that's what I would like to talk to you about today. Prepare the way of the Lord. Let's start by reading Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in his wilderness a highway, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you heard this morning the prophecy. And you remember part of it. Or all of it. It, it was the most awesome thing because it fits so well as to what I'm going to say. And I was sitting with the pastor sitting and I was saying, Lord, you have all the thunder and you stole all the thunder. So why, why am I getting up? Because you said it all. You spoke the whole thing. And just in one or two or three sentences, he laid the foundation and he spoke what he's told me to speak. So what you're getting is second hand. <laughs> it was first hand a while ago. Let's move on. Matthew 3. 1, 2, and 3. In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea saying, Repent. You can underline that word, draw a circle around it, put it, etch it in your mind because it's very important. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And last of all, I'd, I'd like for you to look up John 1, 23.
Actually, let's start at 22. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in these words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. John called John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Lord and to make straight paths for him. The keynote of John's preaching was repentance or to turn around. The night that the Lord saved my old rascal soul, he told me, Wayne, all you have to do is turn. Turn around and you'll see me. And that's what I did. I was going the wrong way and I turned around and all of a sudden I saw the way of the Lord. And so, not only do I read it, I've experienced it. I've heard it and I have seen it. So the key word was the keynote to John's preaching is repentant or to turn around. It's a turning away from evil ways and a turning to Christ and through Christ to God. The decision to turn from sin then to salvation in Christ involves accepting Christ not only as Savior from the penalty of sin, but also as Lord as one's life. Thus, repentance involves a change in lordship. From Ephesians 2, 2, it says that you have been changed from the lordship of Satan. And you've changed to the lordship of Jesus Christ and his word, which is confirmed in Acts 26, 18. Repentance is a basic teaching of the Old Testament prophets. Ezekiel spoke it, Joel spoke it, Malachi spoke it, John the Baptist spoke it, and Jesus Christ himself, the Son of the living God, spoke it also. The Lord emphasized to me the importance of preparing the way for him through a prophecy that he allowed me to give to a pastor in Steamboat, Colorado about three years ago. I have mentioned this before, but I'd like to mention it again. My family and, and I and some friends were high in the Colorado Rockies, and we decided to go to church in Steamboat, Colorado, little dinky place. And the church was not very big. But they had five people up leading in worship. And I was sitting there watching those people and I was thinking, those five people are not singing to us. They are leading us in worship. I find out that the same thing happens here at our church. We are not led in songs. We are led to worship the Lord God Almighty. And there's a big difference. And the Lord gave me a vision of him seated on his throne. But he was not seated like 
intent, making a whole bunch of decisions. He was sprawled out on his, on his throne. His eyes were shut, and his heart was f- full of contentment. And it w- he was content because his children were worshiping him. And I went, wow, that's awesome. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to the pastor and I want you to speak to him and tell him that, number one, I've heard his prayers about worship, that this worship would be in spirit and in truth. And the second thing I want you to tell him is that I have heard his prayers about preparing the way of the Lord. And tell him to prepare the way of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me not twice, but six or seven times about prepare the way of the Lord. So I went to the pastor. And I said, Pastor, the Lord wants you to know that your worship people are leading you in spirit and in truth leading you to worship the Lord, and the Lord is well pleased with it. And he goes, wow, threw his hand up in the air, going, wow, it's just what we've been praying. And I said, well, there's one more thing. Do you want to hear it? (laughs) No, I didn't say that. I said, there's one more thing. And he said, what what is it? And I told him about what the Lord said about preparing the way and he spoke it six or seven times. And when he did, he was like this. He goes, oh, that's the other thing. We've been praying for those two things for months and months and months. And now what is happening is the Lord is confirming what we have been doing. And I was the same way. <laughs> Glory to God. Because sometimes when you go up to a stranger in their congregation and say, I have a prophecy from the Lord. Sometimes it raises an eyebrow or, yeah, go ahead, or whatever. Anyway, the Lord was blessed. And then I came back from Colorado, and I come back into a congregation that does exactly the same thing. Always preparing the way of the Lord. Always bringing us to worship the Lord instead of just singing. Well, after meditating for quite some time on this prophecy, I asked myself, how am I preparing the way of the Lord? I might ask you the same question. How are you preparing the way of the Lord? John the Baptist made made it clear to us that the way to prepare for his coming was through repentance of sin in our lives. So this prompted a conversation between the Lord and myself. In short, the Lord pointed out to me that it was my thought life that was lacking in righteousness and purity. That that hurt and and it's joyful at the same time. Because when you know what the Lord desires, then you can either just give up or you can go after it. And when you go after it, you know you're going to need his help 
to, to do it. So I said, all right, Lord. It's my thought life that needs to change. And in order to do that, I must have your mind. I must take what you say and put it in this thing and then start to live it. I must study it. I must live it. And then I must teach it. So came the next question. After repentance, how do I make my way straight? How do I prepare the way of the Lord? Remember in the scripture in Isaiah, it said that the valleys will be raised up. It said also the hills will be laid low. That's exactly what the Lord does for us. When we give our life to him and make him the center of our life, the one that we want to please, that's exactly what he does for the path that we're trying to prepare. He prepares it. He does it. So that brings us to part number two. The how-to. Let's turn to Proverbs 4.20. And that gives us an idea. Proverbs 4.20 through 27. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a, whole man, uh, to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. But keep your foot from evil. Now come. Turn to Matthew 7.13. This is part of the prophecy this morning. The Lord tells us that we are going through a narrow gate. And a very narrow path. And that's why we should not swerve to the right or the left. Fix our eyes straight ahead. It says in 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate. And broad is the ro road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate. And narrow the path that leads to life. And only a few find it. Following God. And knowing his ways involve a resolute decision to remain committed to him. If you know the meaning of resolute, it's like having a forehead of flint, a face of flint. You set your mind to go do it, and there's not anything that's going to turn you from doing that. Jesus, Jesus Christ had a resolute spirit when he was headed towards Jerusalem. He was headed to something he knew was going to happen. 
that they were going to beat him and crucify him and kill him. He knew that was happening. But if he did not go, we would not have the opportunity to have the salvation that we have today. So he was resolute in his walk towards Jerusalem. He was not going to let anything turn him from it. We need to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And failure to guard our hearts results in a departure from the paths of safety and entrapment. And from destructive snares. To watch over our hearts above all else results in a firm walk on a level path through his favor and grace. That comes from Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. It's a small gate and a narrow path that we walk on. Contrary to some evangelists who preach that getting saved is one of the easiest things in the world. Jesus thought that following him involves heavy obligations. It involves concerning righteousness. It involves accepting persecution, love for enemies, and self-denial. It's a thing that we must reach for. We must go after. He said that his burden is light, that we can take his, his yoke upon us because he bears most of it himself. But we must be committed to his word. We must be committed to him, to seek him, and to go after his ways. Brings us to the third part. There are results that take place in our lives that are good for us, and they are good for others. The results are a change in pers personal character, and I'd like to read Matthew 11, 7. Before I read that, I read to you that the results are a change in personal character. Personal character. Can you think of the, uh, the personal character of Elijah or Elisha? The personal character of Jesus Christ? the personal character of John the Baptist. I've always thought to myself, they are, they are men who apparently the Lord has blessed, chosen, and nobody else could walk in that particular manner. But it's not so. What is so is that when I got saved, I realized that it didn't make any difference whether I was president of the United States or a truck driver, which I used to be, or a teacher, which I was. Jesus Christ saved me, and he looked at me the same as he looked at all of his children. He did not, and he does not have any favorites. Although... Ones who go after the things that belong to him, he will bless. 
things that make him very happy are walking in faith. And so consequently, if we do those things, we become more like Jesus Christ, and that makes our Father very happy. Elijah, John the Baptist, they spent time in prayer. They spent time with the Lord. If you do the same thing, you will have the character that we're going to be talking about right now. Matthew eleven seven through 10. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to see in the desert? He, did you go to see a swaying reed in the wind? Well, the answer to that is no. Did you go to see a well-dressed man in fine clothes? The answer to that was no. Those who wear fine clothes are in the, the king's palace. Then what did you go out to see? And Jesus Christ answers his own question. A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Now, talking about prepare the way of the Lord, when we prepare the way of the Lord, it's for the benefit of others, it's for the benefit of our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, it's for the benefit of friends who live on our street, it's, it's for the benefit of you yourself for us so that we would have a changed character. Look at Luke 1.17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. When Christ stated that John was not a reed swayed by the wind, he was referring to John's righteous character and to his reputation as a preacher who refused to compromise his conviction. John, pre John preached God's commandments without fear of others, never yielding to popular opinion. Herod's sin was ignored in silence by all the Jewish authorities, but never for a moment by John. John rose up against it as a rock, showing absolute fidelity to God and to his word. He stood with God against sin, even though it cost him his life. We may have the attributes also because we have the same Holy Spirit living within us. I'd like to read to you some of the attributes of John the Baptist. But as I read them, 
I'm not only reading about John the Baptist, I'm reading about many people that are seated right here, right now, that have heard something from the Lord, a prophecy from the Lord, and also hear what I say. Because your hearts, which we can't see, but God can see clearly, that's the kind of heart you have, and that's the kind of heart you want. We may walk with the same spirit and the power of Elijah and John the Baptist. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we allow complete submission to him. We will live, if we give our submission to him, we will live as they live. We will fear no one except God Almighty. Living and preaching moral righteousness. We will preach about sin. We will preach about righteousness. And we'll preach about judgment. We will turn the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. We will not compromise our conscience or bend biblical principles for the sake of status or security. We will obey God, remain loyal, to his truth. In short, you will become a man or a woman of God. It w it's interesting that when Jesus Christ came to be baptized, John saw him coming. John realized then who he was and said, you need to baptize me. I don't need to baptize you. And Jesus Christ said, we must do it so the scriptures will be fulfilled. It was like a coming and he had prepared the way. Now there's going to be another coming and it's going to be the rapture. And I had the audacity to ask the Lord, how much time do we have? <laughs> I'm not supposed to ask that question. That's only for the Father to know. But the graciousness of the good Lord and the love of the good Lord, and I'm sure he looked down on me and goes, Wayne, Wayne's about a half a bubble off, so I'm going to, I'm going to help him out a little bit. He answered the question, and he said, very soon. Whoa, very soon. I said, Lord, I'm sorry that I asked a question that I'm not supposed to ask, but at any rate, you are coming soon. So John the Baptist prepared the way for him, for Jesus Christ to come. We can prepare the way for Jesus Christ to come. And he will let you know what you need to do in your life. He'll let you know what you need to do in order to prepare the way for yourself, for your family, or for whomever it might be. And I have a word of encouragement. And the word of encouragement comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Can you guess what it is? 
Amen. Chapter 4, verse 15 through 18. It's about the coming of the Lord. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the air, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. The Lord is coming. I, I sometimes have the fleeting thought that I might be alive and see him come in the clouds. I've had a couple dreams and a couple visions and, and I've seen him come down. And I've actually seen what it's like to have a taste of heaven. And I need to tell you that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't want to miss this one. This one is going to be the most powerful. Jesus Christ is coming and you need to accept him and you need to walk with him. If you're walking a life where your thought life, thought life needs to be straightened up, rekindled, stirred up, now's the time to do it. Now's the time to get serious about your salvation. As you're preparing the way of the Lord in your life or in someone else's life, you can rest assured that soon Jesus will appear in the clouds to take us home to heaven. Now I'd like to conclude by telling you some things that Jesus Christ offers up in prayer. It's in John 17. All of John 17. I'm not going to read it, but I'll give you a synopsis of it. In John 17, Jesus, first of all, prays for himself. Second of all, he prays for his disciples. And then third of all, he prays for believers. I fit in the third category, actually the second and third category. And this is what he says. If we want to prepare the way for the Lord in our lives and our families and others, we can follow Christ's example that was set for us in John 17. In praying for those under our care, our greatest concern should be, one, that they may know Jesus Christ and his, and his word intimately. I pray that, I have prayed that already. For any person in here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I have prayed for you 
and the Lord desires to change your life. That comes from verses 2, 3, 17, and 19. Number two, that God may keep them from the world, from Satan, and from falling away. Verses 6, 11, 14 through 17. Number three, that they may enjoy the full joy of Christ. Verses 13, verse 13. Number four, that they may be holy in thought, deed, and character. Five, that they may be one in purpose and fellowship, as demonstrated by Jesus and the Father. Verses 11, 21, and 22. That they may lead others to Christ. Verses 21 and 23. That they may persevere in the faith and finally be with Christ in heaven. Verse 24. That they may constantly live in God's love and presence. Verse 26. I can tell you that if you persevere in prayer for the people that are in your life, sooner or later they will change. My younger brother, I prayed for him for years and years. He lives down in Southern California. I went down to visit him. I would talk to him about the Lord and it was always, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm listening, but I'm not listening. He was, he was an alcoholic, and finally the uh, alcohol got to his liver, and one of his friends found him lying face down in his bedroom. Didn't know if he was alive or dead, so they called 911, and the ambulance came out and got him in the hospital. The people in the hospital kept him for 10 days and got him back on an even kill. I went down to see him. And when I did, he accepted the Lord as his personal Savior. So I can tell you, preachers have stood up here. Not up here. Preachers have stood up, and I've been in the audience and heard the same thing spoken that I speak just now. That if you keep praying, something has to happen. Something has to happen and it will happen. And so consequently, I, <laughs> I tell you the same thing. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in praying. Things will happen to the person that you pray for. Let's see, Bill... Could you come back up, please? What I've tried to tell you is this. That what John the Baptist has, and Elijah has, and Jesus Christ has, we may have also. We can't do it in our pride, and we can't do it in our own strength, and we cannot do it in our own mentality. We must have the leading of the Lord. We must pray and read his word and live it. And if we do, 
people would get changed. We're praying for the people that are around in this neighborhood. We're praying for the people that you're praying or should be praying for the people that are in your, on your street, in your vicinity, and the Lord will open the door for you to speak into their lives. If, if you have anything in your life that you would like to lay before the Lord or receive prayer for, I and the other elders and the pastor would be more than happy to pray for you. If you wouldn't mind standing up right now, This is an altar call for anybody who would like to be saved. You've never had a born-again born again relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you would like one. We will pray with you, for you, or you can come and pray by yourself. This altar call is for anybody who wants to step closer to the Lord, that you want the power that he has. You want what? Jesus Christ has he's willing to give it you may come and seek the Lord by yourself or you may be prayed for so would the elders and the pastor come forward you can pray by yourself if you desire any of the things that I've read I want you to come forward